Last week we started a new series called Will. Willpower is one word, but we are talking about the will and the power that is in the will. Now, the will is not everything, but it is something uh, that you have control over in your life, no matter who you are, and uh, your will can be influenced, and you can just make unconsciously uh, decisions by your will. People do it all the time uh, because they've been trained, influenced, uh, encouraged, discouraged, hurt, and, and people exercise their will uh, and don't realize uh, just how much control they have in their life and what they can do. So today we're going to uh, pick up and we're going to kind of do for two weeks about God's redemption and how in creation and, and all these different things with angels and mankind, how all of the creation of God, living things, really have a will. They have a will. And because of will, uh, we are where we are today, literally. Uh, somebody exercising their will. And, uh, but things are the way they are because of will. Anybody ever thought when you get to heaven, you, you want to go talk to Adam and Eve? You know, they are your grandparents, like way down the line. And you're like, great grandma, but really we can't fault them because if we were here, we might have just as well done the same thing. You with me? And so uh, though we may want to talk to grandpa Adam and grandma, great, 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 great grandma Eve, uh, we're going to look at their lives and maybe a little bit today. And, and like I said, we'll pick up again on this next week. And so I want to say this, that as we look at this, these will be independent on their own, uh, but, but they will be helpful on many different aspects, I believe, as we look at the power or the ability in the will. Are you with me? The will is something God has. God lives outside of time. He has always existed and always will exist. We are not always existing, but we will exist on forever. And one thing about God in his creation, which is so fascinating, in the living beings that he made, he, in at least the ones we know about, uh, put what we call will or the ability to choose in each one of them. And it's very fascinating because within the will, it, it's such a determining factor. We talked about destiny last week is determined by the will or choice. Are you with me? Now, I understand there are greater factors than, than the will, like God, his power, his ability, but still he won't override people's will. And so with that being said, turn to Ezekiel. Back in the Old Testament, the 28th chapter. And so we're going to talk about, like I said, there will be a progression through uh, the redemption or the buying back or the ransom of mankind. And in the beginning, at, or sometime, not at the beginning, because God lives outside of time, at some point long ago, God created angelic beings. They were here before man. They were created. Uh, they are, you know, they don't... Uh, exist on their own. They are something God made. And God made each one of them with a will. And so if you will open to Ezekiel, if you haven't found it back in, your old, in the Old Testament, the 28th chapter, we're going to begin looking in the 15th 
verse. And this is actually a reference to who uh, we would call Satan or Lucifer, the main guardian cherub or angel, this main one or one of a few that are mentioned. And he had, as you study the Bible, he had great influence and he he uh, was over uh, different things and he uh, was able to be right in God's presence. Notice this in verse, uh, I said 15, but I'm going to read 14. It says you were, so this means he is not now, but he was this. He said you were the anointed cherub. This guardian angel, this angel of great rank, who covers. I established you. He didn't establish himself. He said, you were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. I don't know exactly what these fiery stones are, but they're mentioned at different times, and they seem to hold some kind of power or something because there were times when people would have a vision and they would go up to heaven and the Lord would command an angel to grab these tongs and take and put one of these fiery coals on people and the anointing and the power of God would get in them. They'd go back to earth uh, like Isaiah the prophet in the Bible and he spoke for God. And so he said, you were here, you, you dwelt in this place. So we get this picture of this high-ranking created being. And it said, verse 15, you were perfect. You were perfect. Notice you were perfect in your ways from the day you were created. So like man is a created being, Things are created beings. God is not created. Angels are not in the same class as God. They are created. Even though there are people who think otherwise, the Bible's clear. These beings were created. And one thing they were created with, and we're going to see this, he said, you were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. So they were created. They were perfect. They existed with God, but they were created, and we'll see this in a minute, with something we possess, which is called the will, the right to choose. The right to choose. And we said this before, that choosing is important. Are you with me? Some of you are acting like choosing doesn't matter. Like if I said, hey, everybody bring $100 next week. And I pull out a garbage disposal and I turn around and I say, put it in here. You'd go, what? And I'm, that's not your tithes and offerings, by the way. You'd be like, wait a minute. Most of us would not choose to do that because we'd say, the outcome will not be good and I would like that $100 or $10,000 or whatever. We, we wouldn't do that. At least I'm thinking we wouldn't. We would choose with our will to make a wise decision. Are you with me? And so here we see this guy who was who created, and all angels, by the way, were created, with the same will or power to choose. And it says, 
verse, it says at the end, tell iniquity was found in you. How did it get there? And once it got there, he actually made a choice and it cost him. Notice this, verse 16. By the abundance of your trading and you became filled with violence within. Literally, it means you were filled with cruelty and injustice and wrong inside. Well, everybody who now deals with who we know this is, who is Lucifer, who lost his name, and now we call him Satan, we know that in any dealings with evil spirits, and they are on the earth, and everybody has uh, been influenced by him at some point. Jesus was. We should not be afraid of them, but we could recognize the violence, the wrong, the cruelty, and the injustice that are in these spirits. Are you with me? And it says, you became filled with violence within, and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you out as a profane thing. Then it goes on, out of the mountain of God, and I destroyed you, O covering cherub, or this guardian angel, from the midst of the fiery stones. Notice this, your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. So he seemed to be in charge and making deals and doing work, and he was beautiful. He was, I mean, if we looked at him, we, if God said he was beautiful, if we looked at him, we would have gone, wow, he's beautiful. N not now. But we do know that even these fallen angels can try to deceive people, the Bible said, and, and appear as an angel of light. Notice that means there's an absence of light and life, God's life. And it happened right here. You, your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom. Notice this. It wasn't God. It was him. And how did he corrupt himself or the wisdom that God had given? How did he get corrupted? And we're going to see the process of how he willed to do it. What he did. Obviously, so far we can see he looked at all the deals he had made. He looked at all his beauty. We can see right now, and we're going to look at some other scriptures, that he started getting self-absorbed. And thoughts started filling his heart about himself and his own place and his own privilege, his own ability, his own, oh, I'm somebody. And all that he was, was bestowed upon him by God. And instead of being grateful and thankful for what he had, uh, thoughts started filling him. And we know this because we examined how the will works, how we make choices in life, that there are good choices we've made and bad choices we've made. A and they come through the abundance of thoughts, ideas, and suggestions that would come against you, even if you know uh, about making a good choice or a bad choice, there will be thoughts that will come, ideas and suggestions, that will come against you. 
And we recognized the sources last week of God and the devil and where those things come from. And we recognize that they're both playing for your will to get you to choose, right? And, and these thoughts will come and say, it's okay to do that. You'll be fine if you do that because the devil can't make you do anything. And God won't make you do anything, as a matter of fact, but he would try to influence you to follow him. Are you with me? And so there will be thoughts that come. How many kids we, we say, uh, you know, a kid tells their parents, I did something wrong. Why? Well, my friend said, do this. Well, what happened was an influence came, thoughts, ideas came. They started accepting those thoughts, entertaining those thoughts, and they said, this is a good idea. And when they determined it was a good idea, whether it was good or not, they willed to do it. They made the choice. And that will part is is up to every individual. And we even mentioned this last week, that your will can override all those thoughts too. From God, or from the enemy, or from man. And so here it says, your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom. The process and how he processed and did things got corrupted for and it says you corrupted you corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor he's got so lifted up in himself and he said i cast you to the ground and laid you before kings that they might gaze at you and look at you Here's what's interesting, and I may say this a couple times a couple of different ways. One thing about pride or selfishness is it is very selves and look to themselves, and always it's about me uh, and not about God and what would he want. Uh, it's very blinding to what is real and reality or, or what is appropriate. Pa people will make wrong decisions when they're governed by self and their own feelings. Oh, some of you are looking real innocent this morning. Haven't we all done it? You know? And then we went, oh, why did I do that? It's because pride or self and being selfish is super blinding. That's why it's so interesting that Jesus said, a new commandment I give you that you love. Love does not seek its own rights or its own ways. Wow, what a preserver. And God is love. Satan is not love. And we see that he acted outside of love and started making self-driven decisions based on wrong ideas. Are you with me? And so we're going to look at this and look at what happened to him. Turn uh, to Isaiah the 14th chapter, a uh, little further to the left. How's that? In your Bible, Isaiah. And we're going to look at how his will was involved here and how his will was influenced. And then he chose and yielded his will. 
Isaiah 14, verse 12. It says, and this is a kind of a parallel that will tell us more about how Lucifer, or who we know today as Satan, or the fallen angels, ended up where they ended up. It says, how are you fallen, verse 12, from heaven, O Lucifer, reference that son of the morning. So we, we see this is where you get the reference that Satan's name once was Lucifer. Isn't it interesting how God changes people's names? You know, from Simon, shifting sand. He said, we're going to call you Peter from now on. We're going to call you a rock solid. Took one person from shifting, made him solid. This guy, Lucifer, ends up losing his description and his name. And he is cast down. Here it says he is fallen. O Lucifer, son in the morning, how are you cut down to the ground. How did this happen to you who was perfect and beautiful when you were created? And you got to walk in the presence of God. It was so powerful where he was living and existing for who knows how many millions or billions of years. He was existing in an area, in a realm beyond time, and he was just in the presence of God. Here's how powerful it was for him. The Bible tells us plainly that people upon the earth uh, have had glimpses, but have never had the full shot of being in God's presence at all. Matter of fact, Moses, who went up on the mountain, God said to him, no man can look upon my face and live, because in the day you do it, you're dead. In other words, this natural body can't handle all of God's power. You have to have a different kind of body. If you ever did see God in all of his glory, you'd not be coming back. The only way you could handle it is with your new body. As a matter of fact, we know that even Jesus, when he was on the earth, and we saw all the wonderful miracles, all the great things that happened in his life, and we looked at him, and so many people say, he did that because he was God. That is not the truth. Not even close to the truth. Jesus said it like this at the end of his ministry. He said this. He prayed in John 17. He said, God, he said, Father, restore to me the glory that I once possessed when I was with you. Restore it to me when I leave. In other words, he was God in the flesh, God the Son, but he dwelt in this glory. And the Bible said he emptied himself of it and was just anointed by the Spirit. Not to make little of that. But now when the Lord comes back, mountains will fall flat. Everybody will bow. That didn't happen when he was here. He'll come back with that glory that is, cannot be lived in, in this natural body, you would die. And he is back in that, and he has that now. So when we think about Jesus, he's beyond even what we visibly saw him experience or live in on the earth even though there were flashes of it like when he went on the mount of transfiguration and that glory just started beaming out of him 
Are you with me? But I say that to say this. These angels all lived in this. No wonder why when people have experiences with real non-fallen angels, it's profound. It's profound. And here he said, O Lucifer, son of the morning, how are you cut down to the ground? You who weakened the nations. Once he fell, he's been wreaking havoc. We wonder why there's problems in nations. He weakens them. He weakens them the same way he was weakened. How does he do that? He influences people with thoughts, ideas, and suggestions and gets them to choose wrong and to move into darkness. That's how he weakens nations. Nations that are greatly dominated by him are, are greatly oppressed and men are oppressed. Men become captives. Are you with me? And we're going to see that. Notice this. Actually, let's skip down to verse 17, then we'll go back to 13. Who made the world as a wilderness. This is what he did. And how he, he works to wreak havoc in the world. And destroyed its cities who did not open the house of his prisoners. That's why I said areas that are oppressed, people become captive. One thing about the Lord is he came to set, remember, the captives free. He came to loose people. We have something when we've received the Lord that is beyond. But the enemy still tries to make captives of people. But he can't do it without you. He needs you. Uncle Sam needs you. And he needs you. Let's go back to verse 13. How did this happen? Remember, he said, how, how did it happen? And he's going to describe, and he's going to describe how uh, Lucifer, who we know as Satan now, uh, yielded his will. And you're going to find that how we yield our will toward God or to the enemy uh, is, is right here. He said, for you have said in your heart, in other words, in the core way that you contemplate, you said in your heart, I will. He, he's making a choice. You see the power of the will. He said, I will ascend into heaven. You see, he's wanting an exalted position. I'm going to be up here. He said, I will exalt my throne. So it's interesting, when, when you looked at him, we saw in Isaiah, how, or I'm sorry, Ezekiel, how he was beautiful, and how he had all this stuff, and he trafficked, he was in charge of stuff, and he was just beautiful. It says, he'll, he said here, I will, this is my choice, I will exalt my throne. God had given him a throne. Given him a, a place of rule. There is rank among these spirits. And he was a guardian or a high-ranking one. And he said, said, I'll exalt my throne above the stars of God. See how selfishness is blinding? Who would ever think to do that? Who would ever think to go against God? 
especially if you lived in that realm and saw him the way he saw him and was able to go up on the Mount of God anytime he wanted to and be there. And, and he was able to do this and he was created in such beauty and, and enjoyed all this splendor. But then he said, I'll exalt my throne. He said, I will also sit on the Mount of the Congregation. Uh, that's where God sits. He's basically starting to entertain thoughts of, I'm going to do it my own way. I'm going to promote myself. I'm going to do what I want to do, uh, not what God has created me to do or the way God would want me to do it. And so he said, I will. Isn't it interesting? He said, I will ascend. I will exalt. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation and on the farthest sides of the north. There is some kind of geographical location where God is. Because the Bible said promotion does not come from the east or the west or from the south, but it comes from God. Isn't it interesting? It doesn't give you a geographic location where God is. It just said not the east, not the west, not the south. It leaves out north, and here it references the north place. And he said, I will sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights. I will, I will. Why was he willing to choose this? Because he got lifted up, the Bible said, with self. He started entertaining things that he should not have. Isn't it interesting what made him fall is what he uses to influence people. To yield their will. And it goes on to say, I will be like the Most High God. I'm going to be in charge. He said, I'll ascend above the heights and above the clouds, and I will be like the Most High. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. In other words, this was his plan. But doesn't the Bible say pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall? Well, he, he lived this self-life and he started choosing, making choices with his will. And the Lord said, you know, I'm going to cast you down. Because it's not that God hates people, but God has order. And pride is disorder. And true Bible love, not the idea of what people say is love, but true Bible love is God's order. And he said, I'm going to cast you down. Those who see you will gaze at you and, cons and consider you, saying, is this the man or the one who made the earth to tremble, who shook kingdoms? Verse 17, who made the world as a wilderness and destroyed its cities, who did not open the house of his prisoners? Isn't it interesting when Jesus ministered on the earth, he, he often would say, shouldn't this person be let loose? Shouldn't they be set free? And here we see the one who tries to hold people. And his ways uh, are interesting. 
He'll try to influence you to keep you in unbelief so you wouldn't accept the truth. He, he would say, you know, like God would say, yes, I love you and, and I've paid a price for you. And the enemy would say, yeah, but you've messed up so many times. What, what's going on? God's wanting you to choose and believe right and the enemy is wanting you to choose not. Now, great, God is greater. But the reason why I say this is because it's important to see how he fell, how he operates. Are you with me? Thoughts filled him. He moved with those thoughts and made a choice. And we could all look at our own lives in, in all ways and realize we make choices based on thoughts. Sometimes they're rash decisions. You ever heard that? Why'd you make that rash decision? Why? And some people, we've all done it. Man, if I would have just slowed down and not put that money and spent that. Anybody spent some? I gotta have that. Every thought, you know, you gotta have that, you gotta have it now. And you spent, you're like, why did I spend that? Later on, you went, ah, oh, because we bypassed wisdom, we corrupted wisdom. And we said, I, I got to have that, and I got to have it now. Then when you got it, you're like, I didn't have to have that. I wish I had the money still. If you can't say amen, like one guy said, say oh me, because it's still true, right? God's merciful, though. But he was clearly uh, filled with self, and the self made him blind in the sense that he didn't make appropriate decisions. Turn to Genesis, the second chapter. So we see angels are created beings. Now understand this as we turn to Genesis, that he was able to take, get one-third of the angels to follow. Isn't that wild? He, he was able to, they had to choose. Here's the other side. All the angels that stayed saw because there were different recompenses, and I'm not going to get into this, for those that departed, because some are actually chained now under darkness. Some are bound that maybe had done some stuff that was even worse, because we know during the last seven years, some of them will be unchained and will be turned loose and wreak havoc upon the earth in the last seven years of the earth. We know that. For some reason, they got chained. And there are other ones like that. But then there are others that are roaming. And we recognize that they are here. But one thing a believer needs to know is even though they are here, we should not fear them. Not one bit. You know, for some reason, some people, when you start talking about stuff like this, they get afraid of the devil. He's been here the whole time you've been alive. Don't be afraid. You start talking about it and people are like, oh, we need to be afraid. No, you don't need to be afraid. Amen? Don't, don't need to be afraid. You've had goofy thoughts and you'll have more. Jesus didn't freak out when he had goofy thoughts. Some of us have gotten real good at ignoring people. You know anybody like that? Some, maybe you just start ignoring some of those goofy thoughts. Thank you. I probably ought to say this when, when it comes to God and, and us being dealt with. Recognize thoughts come against your mind from the enemy. God will always deal with you down inside. Now, you may grab some of them with your mind. This would help people. Because sometimes the enemy will come to your mind like he's the business, you know. 
like, oh yeah, and he'll quote, misquote things. Yeah, God would love you, but you just are not worthy. And he'll make it sound real religious, and it'll be up here. And it will give you trouble if you entertain it. What's he wanting you to do? Yield your will and go, yep, I'm unworthy. When God makes people worthy apart from works. Are you with me? Apart from works, he makes you worthy. The enemy would want you to not believe that. That'll come up here. But when God deals with you, he deals with you way down inside. Genesis, the second chapter. We're going to look at the human side of this real quick before we close. Genesis 2, verse 16. Notice this. And the Lord God commanded man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. Isn't it interesting? Man had the whole thing going. God gave him everything, created everything. I mean, this was a utopia. It was incredible what he had. And uh, he just said, you do have one choice to make, and I'm telling you what choice to make. Don't do this. Just don't do this, but you can do everything else. Is the air on? And uh, see how subtle I was with that? I did this four times, no. But um, choice. He had a choice and just said, don't do this one thing. I mean, they're walking with God in the cool of the day. They're, they're experiencing the Lord. And, and he said, it's on you. Your will is involved with this. And he said, here's how I want you to exercise your will. But remember, Satan was cast out. And he was cast down. And we read past these words. It said, he said, I'll exalt my throne above the clouds and above the stars. So when he got cast down, he ends up, we see he's here. He's here in the unseen realm. And the way he fell is the way he works on people. Are you with me? Notice this in Genesis, the third chapter, the first verse. It says, Now the serpent, who we know in the context is Satan, no longer called Lucifer, and even God, in referencing Satan at this point, calls him the serpent and gives a, a foretelling of a Savior who would come and crush the serpent or Satan's head. It says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Now we already know what the Lord said, Don't eat, don't do that, enjoy everything. God's still in the business of you enjoying stuff. Are you with me? And the things he tells you don't touch, don't touch it. But everything else, he wants you to still enjoy things. Are you with me? Somebody says, there's nothing to enjoy. You need to take another examination. 
But notice this. And, and in all reality, that thought right there of there's nothing to enjoy, uh, something's working on your will. Something's working on your will. Because remember, pl- pride and self blinds. If you say there's nothing to enjoy, then something's working on you and you're not seeing the right things. And you're thinking more of self because there's a ton to enjoy in the Lord and in the earth. And if and what to say, well, there's nothing to enjoy is saying, I'm going to make a choice to find something to enjoy. And that enjoyment may be outside of the will of God. Isn't it interesting how the will works? And notice it says, I'll start over, verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any of the beasts of the field and the, that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall eat of every tree in the garden or of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. But the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it. Well, she's got her ducks in a row. She's got her knowledge. She's got her wisdom. She knows, got good information, knows we are not to touch, we're not to eat this one. And he said, you, sh- you know, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Notice the next verse, 4. Then the serpent said to the woman, this thought came, you'll not surely die. It'll be okay. You could go ahead and do that. It'll be fine. But remember, what is he working on? The same thing that made him fall. Thoughts, ideas, suggestions to do what? Yield the will. And so the, he said, but the fruit, you know, don't do it. You'll die. Verse 4, then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. In other words, you'll be okay to make this decision. What, what was he doing wanting to yield the will? And then it says, for God knows. Don't bring God into this. For God knows in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. Notice this exaltation. Knowing good from evil. Verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise. Isn't it interesting? He got her looking at it and going, yeah, it is this, it is that, and it is this. And what's he wanting? He he can't overpower their will, so he's got to get them to yield their will. That's exactly how God does it. He he will tell us things. He he will deal with us inside and deal with us by His Spirit. And and He'll get you to see things so that you would choose to will to do it and, and then make a good decision. And here, the enemy is about to wreak havoc or is trying to wreak havoc on humanity because he's a, a destroyer. 
He's one that likes to imprison. He's a cruel one. And he's ultimately wanting them to make a wrong decision so he can move in and get the upper hand. And so what happens in verse 6? Pleasant to the eyes, desirable to make one wise. She took the fruit. Ah, if she would have not, if she would have taken it and put it back down, she take it and she ate it. She also gave it to her husband with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. So part of what Satan was saying was true. But what happened, all of a sudden humanity became vacant of eternal life, became vacant of God's life inside of them. And it says, and, and then they knew that they were naked. Now, I'm not going to go on and read the rest of the story, but if you notice, how did he do that? He couldn't do it unless their will was involved. You can see the power in the will. Though the will is not all powerful, it is such a controlling force. And, and we need to realize this, we can just will to do what's right. We need to recognize how the enemy works. You know, in 2 Peter 2.18, it talks about certain people using great swelling words of emptiness to allure people. There are people who are so influenced by the enemy, they'll want to allure you through wantonness. They'll play to your strength. You're good looking. Really? Well... Thanks. You should do this. Notice how he got messed up. Just tell me sweet nothings. You ever heard that term? I wonder if they got that sweet nothings from these great swelling words of emptiness. Isn't that sound interesting? Great swelling words of emptiness to allure through desire and it actually talks about doing it to Christians be aware of great swelling words with great promises that are unfounded by truth they just want people to yield their will look at the calamity that's in the world and how many people believe they're making proper decisions and they'll tell you, because they've listened to great swelling words and the influencer of them, the one who destroys nations. This is why we want people to have the truth. Are you with me? Because, understand this, there is something beyond the will. These people are looking for stuff. They just don't have eternal life. Our great-grandparents, we're going to close right here in Romans. Five, grandma and grandpa, so we'll call them Adam and Eve. Somebody's like, my name's Adam. I must be named after my great-great-grandfather. What do you think, Adam? He's like, I'll be telling people that from now on. <laughs> Got a story. You want to read about my grandpa? <laughs> named after him. I'm Adam Jr. 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 500 generations ago. Uh, Romans, the fifth chapter. You named after your father? Nope, my grandpa. 
Romans 5. And this is an interesting thing because we're talking about a progression. We're going to look how at some other things next week that will be fascinating about the will of man uh, in a further place and, and the will of God and the will of Jesus when he was here on the earth. Uh, Romans 5, notice this, verse 17. For if by one man's offense, notice that, that's Grandpa Adam, death reigned. In other words, spiritual life left the spirit of man. Didn't mean they quit existing, but the quality and quantity and a style of life that God had put in there vacated. Man is now in spiritual death, death or they have spiritual darkness in them. They have exactly what Satan has. Are you with me? For if by one man's offense, death reigned through the one. And we know that as you read through this whole setting, that it reigned from the beginning on. All the descendants have this spiritual darkness and death. That's why when a person gets born again and they come in contact with God, they recognize something beyond their will, beyond their mind, beyond their body. And this is what we need to not be ashamed about. We should be bold. Because we've got something beyond the will. We've got something beyond the mind. We've got something beyond feelings. We have a divine life in us. It should embolden us. We are totally different than the world. Now, if you look from natural op uh, appearances, you may live in the same neighborhood, drive the same kind of car they drive, go to the same restaurants they go, drive, wear the same clothes, but we are completely different. And we've received eternal life by a choice of the will. People have to have those thoughts come. And then God will deal with people beyond their, their will and beyond their mind, way inside, to convict them so they go, I need this Savior. And it will be a reality, but it will be a choice based on reality. And then that eternal life will come in them, and then they should be bold too. We should really push with eternal life. Say, what do you mean by that? We should act different. When we pray, when we live, we should do it like we as believers have something the world does not have. Not physically, not mentally, but spiritually. And we've tasted of that. We should be bold in that. And so here it says, for if by one man's offense, so we know how the whole world is, and we know how we are. Death reigned through the one. He said, the one sin, the one man, much more those who receive abundance of grace or this free gift and the gift of good standing. It's a free gift. Righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Isn't it interesting that uh, the will got death? into the earth, and we see how it operates. But God offered another gift that if people would choose, but recognize this, how you choose is based on truth or based on wrong things in the head. And so we're going to pick this up next week. We're going to go further into this, uh, this part of redemption. In other words, from the angels coming 
fallen, influencing man, man yielding. We're going to talk about how man was ransomed and we're going to take it further. But I'll tell you what, it helps to know how the will is because then, you know, we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. Amen? And the Bible tells us how that we're not to be ignorant of his devices. And when we are not ignorant, then when thoughts come and we start thinking down a certain path, we can go, wait just a minute. Not going there. 